Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. It's so much more, but is there a limit? Will we ever hit the the the, the ethical limit of what we can be? You it's have to tune in every... <laughs> come on, come on, everybody to the bib... To the limit, sword and laser Everybody to the limit. Everybody to the limit. Everybody come uh, to I mean, I, I think that's what I was trying to say right there. And Homestar Runners said it best long before <laughs> I did. Uh, well, I think it's clear to most people drinking. I mean, listening. <laughs> <laughs> to most people out there drinking <laughs> along with Veronica. <laughs> what are you drinking, Tom? I'm having orange juice with mango because I'm fighting this stupid cold. Oh, I'm sorry. Orange juice with mango, though, is pretty darn amazing. Is it? Was it mixed in or did you add the mango? No, it's it's you buy it together. It's one that simple, simply juice brand mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything mm-hmm. but the juice in it. So that you don't get like extra fructose or anything like that. But then they they sweeten, they add mango and it's awesome. I love mango. I bought some mangoes recently oh, and I, I peeled them and I sliced them and I put them in the freezer and I stick mm. them in smoothies. Oh, smart. Yeah. Clever. I'm drinking a uh, 2015 Robert Hall Rosé de Robles. Rosé de Robles. Rosé de Robles. That is the Rose of Robles in Spanish. I believe so. Yeah. Or rose col- colored. I don't. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Um, I only had two glasses. I'm fine. We You're just fine. Had, we just had We're a fantastic good. interview with Corey Doctorow that I'm so excited to share next week. You will get that next week. Hang in there. I know. I'm uh, just Corey's always to great talk to talk to. Yeah. Should we jump into the quick burns? Let's do. Uh, Silvana pointed out that another TV series she can't wait for is coming. The Black Company. Glenn Cook's The Black Company series coming to the televisions. Deadline uh, reporting series is in development with I Am Global, uh, who are working with Eliza Dushku's Boston Diva Productions, along with David Goyer's Phantom Four. Uh, if you don't remember Dushku from Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Dollhouse, uh, she will star as the lady, a dark sorceress who hires the mercenary Black Company. I know of the Black Company books, but I have never read them. I'm not that familiar with them, but I know that that's going to be pretty exciting for people. I'm excited to see her back in a big role. Yeah, me too. I really liked Dollhouse. <laughs> I did too, especially like the second. Uh, anyway, it it just needed time. It, it needed, needed time. time it needed more time. Yeah. It was a really like cool, your, it was a cool like concept. Rose de Robles. It needed time to breathe. I didn't give it enough time. I did not give that enough time, unfortunately. Anyway, uh, Danielle says, don't know if anyone has posted about this yet or not, but Persephone's Rising, book seven of The Expanse, has a release date of December 5th, 2017, per Amazon, just in time for Xmas. There's almost nothing wrong with that announcement. My only problem is now that they've had to shift the book releases to December, I don't get my birthday present from James S. A. Corey every year because my birthday's in June and they had been putting them out in the summer. Oh. Uh, and now I have to wait until December. And also it's right around the time Star Wars comes out. 
But hey, I'm not going to complain because we're getting another book and I'm excited. I love I, the expanse. I did read, uh, I think they were tweeting today that they've gone through like seven editors and six books or something. Like they've gone through a crazy number of editors. Oh, really? Wow. And I don't know if they're if they were joking or not. I I, I will say I did not click Can't through keep an editor, huh? to read the entire thread. I just saw it in passing. Um, but they they did say that they've gone through a lot of editors. Not sure if joking or serious. Which which one of them do you think runs them off? <laughs> I would say Daniel. Oh, I'm sides. gonna put it. I'm gonna throw it down and say that it's ninety percent Daniel. I'm sure it's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. Just joking, of course, Ty and Daniel are both amazing. Uh, David wrote in and said the ceremony for the Parsec Awards for podcasts, uh, for genre podcasts in particular, has been hosted by DragonCon for a decade, but the organizers recently announced plans to begin holding a live-streamed virtual ceremony sometime in November. You know, I think, and in, in full disclosure, uh, Tom and I have have uh, hosted the awards in the past. We've been presenters and, and have yep. also been winners, uh, which is awesome. But I have noticed that in recent DragonCon years, it's been harder and harder to get people to present just because their schedules are so crazy. And, yeah. you know, it's a pretty long ceremony. I think it was like, you know, two or three hours sometimes. Yeah. So, and it's hard also for some of the, the podcasters are spread all around the world. And if they're coming in just for this award show to accept their awards, that's expensive and timely. So I, I do think that doing something a little more virtual it does make sense, and I mean, it's it's a it's it's a podcasting award show, and and people know how to how to how to do stuff like like accept awards over a Skype connection, for example, or talk right. to people over maybe slightly lagging internet connections. So I feel like <laughs> this is the best possible people. They will get thrown off when when their connection starts buffering in the middle of their acceptance speech. We're it, used to it. It really did start to feel like most of the winners were not there in person, and and were either having the awards accepted on their behalf or yeah. were you know, sending in video acceptance things. Uh, meantime, nominations for the awards are open. Uh, if you want to go nominate a, a show that you enjoy and are listening to right now, you can go to parsecawards.com. <laughs> They're open through June 1st. That's right. That is absolutely right. Oh, did I read? Did then? I not read that one? Did, I thought no, I read that one. That, All right. That was me. Damn, Rosé de Robles. It's David David. That's okay. what threw you off. It is. We got little David and David in the house. Not sure if same David or not, because I don't have the Goodreads thread open. Uh, but other David says the Arthur C. Clarke Award nominees have been announced. The Clarke Award is given for the best science fiction novel published in the UK, judged by a panel. A Closed and Common Orbit by Becky Chambers ah, book is two. among the nominees. Uh I, I was a, a fan of the Becky Chambers buzz. It seemed like really cool stuff. But now that we're actually reading lo The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, I am a huge fan of Becky Chambers. So I'm cheering for that. Uh, also, Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. After Atlas by Emma Newman. Occupy Me by Trisha Sullivan. Central Station by Levi Tidhar. And The Underground Railroad, Railroad by Colson Whitehead are among the other, are all the other nominees. Well, congrats to all the nominees. More on Nine Fox Gambit later in the show. Mm, mm. No, you don't say. Uh, Nokomis.fl says that HBO has signed on four writers to begin development of four different Game of Thrones spinoffs. Uh, in fact, I, I, I looked into this uh, for Current Geek and Cord Killers. Max Borenstein, who did Kong Skull Island, is one of the writers. 
Brian Helgeland, who did 42 and Legend, are another of the writers. And then two of the writers are getting to work directly with George R.R. R. Martin. Carly Ray, who wrote for Madman and the Leftovers, and Jane Goldman of Miss Peregrine movie and Kingsman the Golden Circle. Uh, they are working with Martin on their projects. HBO told Variety there's no timeline on these. They say, look, we're going to give these writers as much time as they need to develop. And when they've got something good that's when we'll green light things for production. This is, first of all, it's amazing for nerds like us because we get more things in the the Song of Ice and Fire universe, right. which is rad. Two, it's, it means we're going to have good TV shows for like the foreseeable future once these things start getting greenlit, hopefully. Hopefully. Which is great. Three, what was my third? Three, it's got to be a lot of pressure. To be, oh, yeah. For there to be four different spinoffs under different control of, of different people and you have to like come up with an idea and you have basically almost unlimited time to do so. So you can't even use the old, oh, I didn't have time. I had to get this out like kind of excuse. Like, no, they're basically saying you have unlimited time to do the yeah. best thing you can possibly do. I ran out do. of unlimited time. And Here's so you just have Here's to make your this is your opus. Here's my theory. Uh, I think they already have the ideas. I think they probably hit four ideas uh, in some kind of brainstorming. Benioff and Weiss are listed as executive producers on all these projects. Hard to say if that's just because they oversaw the launch and they they just want to be attached. I, I doubt they'll be working a lot on it. They've, they haven't said they want to do a lot in running new shows. My guess is they brainstormed four ideas. They're like, hey, we have four different directions we could go. Dunkin' Egg, right? Mm -hmm, the Dunkin' mm -hmm. Egg stories, that's obviously got to be one of these. Lady, Lady Mormont. <laughs> Lady, Lady Mormont could be another. Uh, and so the reason they identified two working with Martin is I think there's probably two ideas like Dunkin' Egg that are fleshed out. That they could just say, uh, just go go work on that idea. There's lots of material here. And then there probably are two that are maybe arisen from the history of Westeros or the or the even just notes that Martin had that that need a little bit more of his Fleshing supervision. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And guidance. So I, I'm going to guess, I, I definitely, if it's not Dunkin' Egg, I don't know what they're doing with their lives. Oh, yeah. It's got to be one of the four. When there's four of them, one of them's got to be that. I can't imagine. I bet another one's going to be the Mad King, Rhaegar. Yeah. I bet there's going to be a whole or, or thing some about kind of Targaryen thing. Yeah, like yeah, rise, yeah. To, rise to fame or infamy. Maybe it's like the real Targaryens of Westeros and it's oh a reality God. show. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be a funny skit even. I would watch that. Keeping up with the Targaryens. Oh my God. I love it. Someone has definitely done that in the world already. I know it just like as a spoof. Some kids in high school have done it somewhere and think it's oh, hilarious. Yeah, and I'm going to, be. I'm going to scour the, till the, the ends of the earth to find the. Post it in Goodreads or send us the email when you find it. Yes. Konal and Nakoma Stadafel both said, here's what Andy Weir's new book, Artemis, is all about. It's going to be released in the U.S. and Canada on November 14th, 2017. And this came uh, via an exclusive over on Nerdist.com earlier this week. And uh, let's see if we can find the... the She's just a small town girl on the moon. <laughs> on the moon. Jasmine Bashara, a.k.a. Jazz, an aimless yet prodigal 20-something, yearns to leave her boring small-town life behind. Except in Jazz's case, her small town is named Artemis, and it happens to be the first and only city on the moon. 
So good. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, I think this is, this is fantastic. Um, I can't wait to see what Andy Weir's mind does with the moon. What his Weir mind does? (laughs) His Weir mind? Yeah. Okay, moving on. It's time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Oh, I should say thank you to everybody who submitted stories uh, to Quick Burns via our Goodreads thread. Um, We always appreciate that you guys take the time to do so. Keep them coming, that's for sure. All right, now, Uh, hold on. I got to get the, so I have the editing point in. Now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, We got a nice thread from Callum, who's letting us know he's about to lem first ever book. And I'm feeling kind of shamed and actually gutted. I am 50% through Nine Fox Gambit, and I just can't get into it. Call the back. whole concept behind the warfare seems really cool, but I just don't get it. If there was a chapter at the start or something that gave some sort of overview of how the whole universe worked, then maybe I would get it. I'm also struggling to enjoy the characters. Jadao has some character, but I feel one character isn't really enough to keep me going. Is it worth me plugging on, or should I just accept it and move on? Well, this kind of goes into, so for those of you who are potentially new, um, Telema book comes from, it's, it's not something we actively encourage. It, it came from a situation where I could not finish uh, a book called Memoirs Found in the Bathtub by world-renowned author of science fiction, Stanislaw Lem. And I don't know how we, we even said I lemmed it. I don't know where that came from. Maybe It came from you not finishing memoirs. And then done. maybe I couldn't finish something else. And I said, oh, I pulled a yeah. lem or something like that. And it yep. just became the verb. And so people have picked it up. <laughs> and I, I try to say, you know, I, I, I'm echoing Elizabeth in the thread a little bit here. And I've said this before that, you know, there's there's too many books and and too little time. So if you feel like you're just really not enjoying something don't read it. It, You'll find something better to read. Yeah. Don't make yourself miserable trying to slog through something that you're not having fun with. On the other hand, but on the other hand, sometimes it's worth pushing a little bit further because you might realize that you do enjoy it (laughs) or or you're learning something that you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm someone who pushes through probably too far. I rarely ever give up on a book midway. Uh, but I a hundred percent agree with you that if you're not enjoying a book, there's too many good books out there for you not to be enjoying the book. And I would add, don't feel bad that you don't enjoy a book that other people enjoy. We all bring different knowledge sets, different experiences, different tastes into our reading. And so something that is considered good by a lot of people may just not be enjoyable for you. And that's fine. I think that's totally fair. And as, as Trike says, we all have that did not finish Lem slash Lem slash throw across the room moment, a rite of passage for every book lover. And I think that's fair. I've never thrown a book across the room. I was tempted to throw my Kindle once. Really? And I can't remember what happened, but I was like, no, too expensive. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, uh, I closed this too fast because someone, uh, had a suggestion. I think it was Terp Kristen, uh, keep a paperback book you don't like near to wherever you read so you can Mm -hmm. throw it honorifically in case you are reading a Kindle book. That was an excellent memory for someone who was reading that, uh, from a closed tab. Yeah. 
Whew. All right. Uh, on to Christos's thread. Yes. Uh, this one, uh, I, you know, being a show called Sword and Laser, it had to come up eventually. Um, but he says, uh, what are the coolest and most powerful handheld weapons in sci-fi and fantasy? I think, you know, the name kind of covers it. But he says, uh, these don't have to be from a novel or a movie you like. They can be a cool weapon from a crappy movie or book that maybe you don't like. Yeah, but you like the weapon. Right. Um, of course, he he kicks it off with swords, the light saber from star wars which okay it's a it's a laser sword I yeah would say. it's the best of both worlds yeah the master sword from zelda it can shoot mm-hmm. energy beams that's pretty rad the psi scimitar from dc comics it's a fiery blade that can cut anything and creates portals in space and time when it's turned off it's just a hilt and then for bow and arrows, a Hawkeye's quiver from Avengers. Nice. Robin Hood's bow from Once Upon a Time. It never misses its target. Even if the target teleports away, the arrow will chase him. Oh, I would put Yondu's arrow. Totally. Uh, from I, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was going to say too. the same thing. Yeah. Yondu's arrow is super badass and kind of beautiful to watch. Um, he also says the Epirus bow from the Immortals. It has endless arrows out of thin air. The arrows never descend either. Uh, onto the gun category, a uh, Star-Lord's gun from the Marvel comics. It shoots lightning, ice, fire, and rocks. I didn't know that. Nice. <laughs> uh, X-ray gun from Deep Space Nine. Uh, the bullet teleports to the target. That's pretty cool. And the plunderer gun from the Flash TV show. Laser bullets that track target, shield protector, and can be, sorry, shield projector, and can be fired remotely. Yeah, I mean, you, you covered a good number of them in the original post. I got to give a shout out to Louie who calls out the ZF-1 from the fifth element, which kind of just is all of those guns in one. And then Gary, of course, says, Meowmer. 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 Thor's hammer. Mjolnir. Meowmer. What are you saying? That's not... That's... The BFG from Doom, too. You didn't. You saw the first Thor movie where the girl says it calls it like meow meow. I don't meow, meow? know. I don't remember that. Meow, meow? I don't remember that at all. No. Okay. I guess it's just me. <sighs> oh, uh, how about that that one that you're holding in Tassie Dave's post? Oh yeah, that <laughs> that gun is from um, that is from. Uh, it's not, it's from, I think it's from Resistance, Fall of Man, or it might be from, um, it was from a Sony game. I think it might be from, yeah, it is Resistance. You know how I know that? Because I'm looking at the whiteboard in the picture and it says Resistance, it says resistance. Retribution. Oh, that's so funny. I see that now that you mentioned it. Hilarious. I've never noticed that in that picture before. That's, that's really how, funny. That's funny. Yeah. And there's a little stocking on the door. There is. Must have been, yeah. you know. Hmm. Yule Tide caroling and whatnot. For sure. And Darren says, looks like Veronica's showing off two guns in that photo. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Welcome to the gun show. Welcome to the gun show. That was silly. Anyhow, we should. <laughs> let's talk about the book of the month. Um, I'm still like really early into the book, so I don't have a lot of spoilerific stuff that I can get into, and I wouldn't want to because I think it's still, you know, this is basically the kickoff. Um, so w- what do you think so far? I adore it. All right. I I am already in love with this crew. Uh, all of the 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 pre stuff that we read about the the great characters. 
undersells it, in my opinion. Uh, the characters are so lovely and well fleshed out. And the world is, too. Like, the interrelationships between species is so inventive. Uh, a lot of the, the, the little things like Dr. Chef, the idea that you have a doctor who is also a chef just somehow makes perfect sense that I can't believe nobody else ever did it. And I'm sure one of you is going to write in and tell me about this one time that somebody else did it. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, healing through food, healing through the arts all in one. And then you get his backstory of how he was, you know, how he became Dr. Chef. It's just, it's, it's great. And I'm, I'm having a fun time just hanging out with the crew of the Wayfarer. And I think, uh, is it Kessie? Is that her name? Do I have it yeah, right? Cassie? Kessie? Yeah, she's she's probably my favorite so far. Is it because she reminds you of a certain character from Firefly? She is n does not remind me of Kaylee, uh, other than <laughs> being a quirky female engineer. The 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 she. I mean, uh, this is this is a very different character. And I can't tell you, I can't explain why, because it would be spoilery. You know, I honestly think like in, in terms of the the descriptions of the characters, that's probably the closest to the Firefly universe. By the because way, of, because it's talking, a female yeah. quirky. By the way, we're yeah. talking about a, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers is the book that yes. we're reading this month. I forgot to mention that at the top of the section. Um and yeah, I don't I don't see a ton of parallels really between the Firefly universe and and this universe and and that was one of the things that people had mentioned when we first started reading it. Um, but I'm enjoying it a lot too. I think it's 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 been the character development is really thorough and really interesting. And you know, especially Jenks like dealing with his his feelings about AI, like that mm -hmm. that ties in so much to what I think we're dealing with in our world right now. Mm -hmm. And really parallels a lot of the stuff that I just kind of think about day to day. Um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty fascinating to see like the interpretation of what a future of that could look like. And I mean, I mean, it's it's also kind of something that comes up a lot in in science fiction is how do we what are the ethics around artificial intelligence and how do we deal with them and how do we treat them? Um, but I like this take that there's a little something more there too. And I think she does a really good job of trying to make the aliens be alien without being uh, uh, unable to, to identify and understand with the characters. Uh, so, so she does a lot to show that the non-humans definitely do not think or behave like humans. Uh, but they aren't so different that we can't as human readers, uh, you know, uh, empathize or, or identify with them. And I, I think she does a lot of really hard work there to make that work. Um, in fact, Sisic, who is uh, who is a reptilian-like race, is probably more like Kaylee in, in my estimation, personality-wise, than Kessie is. You know, I know they described her as being reptilian, but I keep thinking of her as being a bird. Well, yeah, because of the feathers, right? Because she has so feathers. She's, she's dinosaur, like yeah, she's like a mm. like a raptor, like the the feathered yeah. raptors that we hear yeah, about. Yeah, her yeah. face is like more flat. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess that's yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> um, the one thing that I think I was having a hard time with is figuring out what happened to the the earth earth people, like exactly what the backstory there is yet. I know there was some kind of schism for humanity. Yeah, how far into the book are you now? They just got to the the planet where they're like buying stuff for the ship. Oh, I'm a, I'm about at the same place. Okay. Um, 
there there's I can't remember at what point, uh, but they they make an allusion to uh, the one one of those characters is is what they call an archivist who just basically the analog is someone who goes online and corrects people who are flouting conspiracy theories that <laughs> someone is true. wrong on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one of the conspiracy theories mentioned has to do with the earth. So okay. that, that if you haven't run across that yet, that gives a little bit of insight there. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so far so good. Uh, I, we had a, a great thread, um, called The Opposite of Epic uh, from E.J. Xavier, who says, this book surprised me as I feel like I rarely see science fiction written in this, quote, slice of life style. In fact, at the moment, I can't think of any, though it might just be my bad memory. Possibly the rareness of this writing structure in SF might be attributed to the fact that science fiction generally tries to imagine broad sweeping changes in our future, which naturally lends itself to stories about broad sweeping events. There's a natural tendency towards dystopias and, and epic battles for survival, where entire planets or even the universe hangs in the balance. This book is more personal. Uh, thematically, it still touches on big questions about life, such as, quote, are we defined by parents or our genetics? What does it mean to love? How important is physical attraction to love. But here, the fate of all humanity doesn't hang in the balance, just the personal lives of individuals we happen to care about, much like life, but with spaceships. The structure reminds me of a fair number of classic novels. In fact, I think a large amount of, quote, literary fiction is written with this style, but not usually SF. That's a shame because I think Becky Chambers has very neatly shown how satisfying the combination can be. Yeah, I, I, I agree with this quite a bit. I I love the fact that she has created a world in which you feel like an epic story is going on around our main characters, but they are only a small part of it. And that's refreshing in a way uh, to say, oh, well, let's let's see what the average people do. Let's see what the you know, the the people who are just trying to get by and make a living it, I, again, parallel to Firefly that, you know, just getting a job and, and moving on to the next one. What do they do on the edges of these other great events? And that kind of makes it feel more tied into reality in a way, too, because I mean, no one would ever write a book about our lives, but there's big world events happening around us all the time in the background yeah, that are affecting things. But yeah. You know, and we're just trying to get by as, you know, as we hope that the, those other people don't blow up everything <laughs> that we're trying to do. Just trying to be podcasters, man. Just trying to yeah, podcast. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm smitten by, by the crew of the Wayfair. I totally get it now. Tassie Dave has read all five of them. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Is this, no, this is a different series he's talking about. Yeah, I was there's say, not I don't five books there's only two. Yet. There's only two Wayfair. There may be some short stories. Yeah, yeah they're talk, he's talking about the uh, Golden Age of the Solar Clipper series, mm. um, which has five books in it, and said it was a little bit along those vein, that vein as well. Um, if you're looking for something else in that same slice of life And then section. Brendan says, it's a cozy space opera. I like that. It is. It's cozy. Cozy space opera. I like the idea of boring tea and happy tea. Yes. I am full on happy tea. I have both. Happy tea and all I, the way. I, I actually divided up. I never thought of it as boring and happy tea, but I definitely have been like, oh, well, this is the, I'm going to drink this tea because I don't want to be too jacked up. I don't want the caffeine. And then, yeah. So I, I, without knowing it, I was doing exactly what the crew of the Wayfarer does. We got to make mugs or she's got to make mugs. Someone has to make mugs. Yes. I want a Wayfarer mug. That'd be awesome. That says happy tea. 
<laughs> and, That's what and, I mean. And boring tea on the other side. Yeah. So you could just turn it depending on which one you're drinking. <laughs> That's a great idea. So yeah, you can follow along with us. Um, it's still early in the month. So if you want to keep reading the book um, or, or get started on the book, you can head to Amazon or Audible or any place books are sold and, and start reading along with us or even your local library. The book has been out for a while, so there should be some copies hanging out over there as well. It's a long way to a small angry planet, but it's not that long. So come on, join us. And of course, our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Uh, thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you would like to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. And we can say a very happy welcome to Jenna Wagenrich, Tanya, Tanya Dawn, and Liz Yu. How many of your names did I mess up just now? By the way, Jenna, awesome. Jenna is my super cool falconer friend that also listens to Vaginal Fantasy. And she lives on a farm and she raises baby goats and she trains falcons and she has little chick ducks that live in her house with her and get you babysat have a by her dog. Friend, friend? Yes, she is a I, at falconer. One at one point, Anthony Carboni, Jeff Kanata, and I were trying to to hatch a plan to somehow do a web series about falconry. Well, you should have Jenna we need on to your talk show. To your friend, yeah. yeah. And she's rad, and I'm going to go visit her sometime and hang out. And I wonder why you didn't by her stumble fireplace. over her name. Well, I'm still not sure if I'm saying her last name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I've just said it a few times now, so I've convinced myself that's how I say it. But I'll probably meet Folks, her in person. If and you too like, nah, would like girl. Veronica to attempt to pronounce your name, please back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash sword and laser. And uh, we we don't read all of the backers every time, but we try to, to read a few. Just the ones with hard names. Yeah. The harder your name, the, the more likely I am going to be to put it in the lineup from now on. Perfect. <laughs> uh, you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about on the show. Uh, always has links to our current uh, book picks and previous book picks and just some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Get in touch with us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. And for Joanna, uh, from one of her favorite authors, uh, Lois McMaster Bujold, my home is not a place, it is people. Thank you for being a member of our home for all these years. We'll miss you. We'll miss you, Joanna.